Welcome to Love Amped, an exploration of healing others through healing ourselves. Check out loveamped.com for additional resources and support. Blast into self-love, the journey to revolutionizing your inner world. The online course by Seth Pearson of Love Amped is available now at loveamped.com. In this program, you will evolve to a fully self-compassionate version of yourself by identifying and growing in self-love areas that have been holding you back for years, maybe even your entire life. We will learn about the concepts surrounding emotions and how to address those emotions through journaling and self-reflection. We will face our fears to transmute them into positive thought patterns that stick for life. All this in 15 easy-to-understand sections with videos, journaling, and exercises for you to try at home. Blast in to self-love. The journey to revolutionizing your inner world. The online course by Seth Pearson of Love Amped is available now at loveamped.com. Love Amped. Hello friends and welcome back to Love Amped. I'm your host Seth Pearson and this week we are talking with Harry Liddell, a man that is coming into his mature masculinity and trying to fully understand his thoughts and behaviors. We'll be looking at archetypes, how we can use them to learn about ourselves and improve our behaviors going forward. We'll be talking about intersectional feminism and some of the myths of depression. I so enjoyed talking to Harry, and it's amazing that this conversation was spawned thanks to the beauty of Instagram. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Enjoy, my friends. Harry Liddell, holy crap! From across the globe, across Hello. the entire uh, sphere that is just rotating around. Some say it's flat. Who knows what it is? Harry, <laughs> 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 uh, what? Where? Where are you coming in from right now? I'm coming from the Midlands of the UK, so I'm in Sheffield at the moment. What? Wow! That's the power of Instagram. <laughs> truly, truly, connecting people. Whereabouts are you? I am in Seattle, Washington. Ah, amazing. Yeah. I've had yeah. good things. The epicenter of just a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've had the stories. <laughs> and and so, uh, Harry, I mean, I know I know that we're gonna be talking about healthy masculinity, but have you heard of Carolyn Miss Carolyn Miss's archetype cards? No, I don't think I have. Really? Okay, because they are pretty phenomenal, beautiful uh, card set. For those that are just on the audio, you know, I'm, I'm showing these cards right now. But right off the bat, we have the victim. Mm -hmm. With the crazy stuff going on in the world, there's a lot of victim mentality going around. So right, let's so. look at the light attributes of the victim. Light attribute prevents you from letting yourself be victimized or victimizing others. And the shadow attributes, playing the victim for positive feedback in the form of pity, inability to maintain personal boundaries. What does that bring up for you right now? 
So for me, from a... So I, I focus all of my work around the book King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. So that kind of speaks to me as someone who has a misaligned warrior energy. So they have a, a masochistic, masochistic warrior, which is someone who has is unable to set boundaries, sort of indulges in being wrong all the time. And just like within a relationship, they will always take the, the more submissive role. So that's kind of what I'm seeing when I see people who are in like a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And would you used to play the victim at all? Yes, very much so. Yeah, I very much until like quite recently, I've been doing a lot of work on this specifically is I would always take up the defense mechanism of being like the innocent bystander. So I would never take responsibility for my actions. I would rather use a defense mechanism that there's that I wasn't to blame than to take responsibility. So until very recently, I figured this out and I'm trying to essentially become aware of these defense mechanisms and instead of enforcing them to just notice them and to instead of relying on these patterns to just be human, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in those moments of, of being uh, playing as like the innocent bystander and then, then blaming how now in those moments do you bring awareness? What, what do you look for? Mm. So I suppose for me, what really helped me was becoming aware of the various different defense mechanisms as like archetypes. So there's different ones such as contrarian, uh, suppression, repression, um, innocent bystander, these kind of things. So by becoming aware of them, I could start to notice them in myself and in others. Mm. Um, and just by focusing on them and bringing my attention to them weekly, because I have various practices to help facilitate that, I've been able to become more and more aware of my patterns. Awesome, awesome. And why, why do you think um, talking about archetypes is, uh, at least for me, it wasn't something that came up until I started uh, working on myself. Um, mm. And uh, why do you think archetypes aren't as widely known as maybe mm. beneficial to be? I'm not really sure because they are so beneficial, but I suppose there's a certain level of a lot of people aren't ready for the truth. People have to get to a certain level of consciousness before they are willing to accept their own patterning and it can be painful to do so. So I can see why there would be resistance to doing so. And a lot of people have essentially been handed a set of patterns from a young age and it's worked, worked for them. So there's not really much point in changing it. It's not until we experience quite deep suffering that we are forced to drastically change who we are. And that's when things like the archetypes can really help to bring us into alignment. Mm, beautiful. And so, Harry, being a, a teacher, a coach, a mentor for others, uh, what, what is currently going on for you? You said that there was uh, some things that you were experiencing earlier in the day that was... Yes. Yeah. Uh, it sounded fun. Uh, it was it was interesting. Um, so this really ties into the healthy masculinity thing. So I was out in town with my sister and we were in a shop and we walked past a man. And this shop 
talks about a two meter distancing policy. So understandably we walked past him. He was not very happy about that. So what he did is he walked past my sister and I turned to my sister and I don't know if you allow swearing, but called, called her a fucking slag. So I don't know if the word slag is what it means in America, but to us it means essentially slut. So he used a gendered misogynistic term and did so in public with seemingly no fear. So I, I sort of called him out. I told him to fuck off. Um, but what it brought up for me was really powerful because I, I think a lot of men like ourselves, we don't really see oppression that blatantly. And there's a very common pattern to sort of dismiss these experiences when we hear about them from women, as in like, oh, it was just one guy. He wasn't representative of the whole bunch. But in some ways that is entirely untrue because I've heard so many accounts from women. So I did a lot of journaling after that and me and my sister talked about it. And unfortunately she said it really wasn't that uncommon. So it wasn't really that much of a shock for her. But for me, as a man who had never really witnessed that before, it was quite shocking. So I, I've made a video about it and sort of tried to get that word out to my other uh, like white male friends, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in that, you know, like there was a moment of, of, like standing up for yourself and for your sister and like standing up for what's right. Um, mm. Something that I've definitely had a, a hard time like learning or just mm. that was really flipped on my head when I uh, came into this work is that fuck you is still mm. important. Yeah. Really important. I, I didn't really give myself enough credit at the time, but, the mere act of presenting resistance to someone like that is incredibly powerful because they do it on the assumption that they will receive no resistance. So by providing anything, it will help them to think, think twice before doing that. So to any men who are listening, just the fact that you call out is so powerful. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just by presenting some kind of reaction to what occurred. So yeah, spot on. I very much agree. That's amazing. And so why, why do you think that they're, um, at least I know from myself, I like wouldn't say something kind of a thing probably, mm. or like say something to my friends or I like wouldn't be in that altercation or whatever. So I would just be able yeah. to just talk about like why that's wrong, like, or like that, why that's not healthy. Um, mm. but I wouldn't be able to actually step in and make a difference. What, uh, like, why do you, what do you think the mindset is there? So it's definitely a, it's self, self-protection. I mean, because a lot of men consider sexism to be a woman's issue, it then seems to fall to them as their responsibility, which is totally untrue because sexism is in fact a man's issue. It's a men's issue because we're the ones who are the ones perpetuating it. So I was very much the same. I wouldn't call out if I saw it when I was younger because I wasn't really connected to how pervasive it was. I never really realized how much of a problem it was and the, the sort of structure behind it. So even, even the act of just like mild, mild misogyny um, in the form of like calling my sister what that man did, that goes up the pyramid to eventually ending up in, I don't know if you've seen, but like the rape culture pyramid. At the very top is rape and violence. 
and towards the very bottom of the foundations is slurs. So if you look at it on a whole, yeah. on a whole level, it's so important to even call out what seemingly appears to be small because it goes the whole way to the top. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I have not, I, I, I don't know about this, this triangle. I'll, I'll absolutely look it up. That's, uh, that's, that's very, very powerful to be able to spot those, those small interactions, those small signs, mm -hmm. little, little red flags and be able to like, yeah. Snub them, sum them out before they are able to continue. Because as mm -hmm. as you said, it's 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 when people don't and like when I don't speak up in those situations that people like oh, oh I can get away with this oh mm -hmm. well then I'm I'm gonna get away with more I'm gonna try to get away with more next time. Exactly. Yeah. Silence is, in a sense, a form of validation. So I on the same level I want to preface that it's only good to call out when it's safe to do so there's no point in calling out if it's not safe to do so just want to right. make sure that's in there as well yeah. <laughs> yeah totally so um with with kind of like that that level of um toxic masculinity um and how that um then can they kind of you've talked about intersectional feminism um and uh I was wondering, how do you view when there's toxic masculinity and then there's also the rise of like, like women's liberation or like the rise of um, like women coming into power more in general. Mm -hmm. um, how do you see that interacting where then there's potential, there's the potential for like man hating or like mm -hmm. kind of like minimizing men, like no matter what. Yeah kind of a thing what do you think what do you think about that yeah i think that has definitely been a problem with the feminist movement is understandably they've built up a lot of anger and a lot of hatred because men have perpetuated violence and other acts against women but it's not aligned with reality i think yeah i can definitely see it. it's a response to what has been done the emotion and the uh, the man hating has to come from a certain place and that needs to be understood by men as well so it hasn't come out of nowhere it's come out of a very valid um like very valid belief that a lot of men do have and hold these views so i think it's good to have compassion for for women who do say who do have a sort of overarching generalized man hating um approach but obviously it's not in line with reality because there are many just so many good men who are trying to do good um, who obviously don't deserve in a sense that um, attacking, but it's important to understand where it comes from and to try and learn from it rather than to reject it mm -hmm. because that's just rejecting people's valid experiences, but to see it clearly. Mm -hmm. And would you, would you call that then toxic femininity? What would you call it? Um, I wouldn't, I would call, like, I wouldn't even use the term toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. From my perspective, it's more down to like immature and mature. So immature masculinity and mature masculinity, immature femininity, mature femininity. Love that. So yeah, it comes like, but the, the reason that's, I think, more beneficial is because immature and mature comes on a scale, whereas toxicity is kind of just binary. And that's more problematic in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, 
I think top like toxic femininity or immature femininity can definitely exist. But when you are yourself a privileged person, to be a straight white man is to be the most privileged person in society in the world. So to then be affected by what women say to you, that's you responding to the wrong thing. So there's a lot of people who conflate privilege with like how good their life is. Like, because I'm privileged, I must therefore have a good life. And then there's a lot of men who don't have a good life. And so when they hear that they're privileged, it sounds like an attack because they're like, I'm not happy, but you're telling me I'm privileged, but those are different things. So I think if, if a man does see women attacking them, they have to realize where it comes from and to see the wider overarching view that it's not an individual thing and to sort of work on themselves to see the true picture and to actually talk to women. Like, I think this is one of the, the, the most problematic things is there's such a separation between men and women. If men actually talk to women and got to know their experiences like I have done, you will see exactly why so many women are angry and it's completely valid. And in those, uh, have you had one of those experiences where you've kind of been a target in kind of like an immature act where it's almost a, um, a, like you've been just kind of projected onto you that you're probably one of the bad ones kind of experience and then kind of prove that opposite. <laughs> yeah. So wait, have you, have, have I been like, so have any woman project onto me this idea that I'm a bad, one of the bad men essentially. Yes. Um, potentially. I mean, not anything that I've noticed. It hasn't really been a problem for me, but I can definitely, I have seen instances where that has occurred. Um, but yeah, I think just because I've been quite into feminism from a pretty early age, like my sister has been a very big influence on in my life and she's been teaching me about feminism from a young age. So I've grown up with a certain attitude towards women, which has meant this hasn't really occurred to me. Um, and I think some men who maybe have received um, maybe un unfair projections from women, they should use it as a tool to reflect on. Because although maybe men are good intentioned, there is still a certain level of depatterning ourselves from what our culture has handed us. Mm -hmm. So even myself, who has, I've considered myself a feminist for a long time, I still have within me misogynistic patterns, which, and I think it's, it's foolish for anyone to deny that and say, I'm a, I'm a feminist. Like if you look at the Aziz Ansari situation, he would always tell everyone he was a feminist and then he got essentially accused of sexual assault. So there's needs to be far more reflection and far more deep work in order to truly alleviate ourselves of our misogynistic patterns. Mm, yeah. Yeah. There's, it, it, as you say, like going, going in for the deep work, going in multiple mm -hmm. times and just being like, okay, like, let's, let's go back in there. Let's see what's, let's yeah, see what's never gonna, ending. like, who knows what's going to come up the next day. <laughs> There's always something. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's an honor to be able to do that work from, it's, it's a privilege to be able to do that work from the side of the oppressor. 
So that's kind of like a big part of it is to realize that like straight white men don't have to do this work, Mm -hmm. but they should because they are part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't mean they are individually part of the problem, but by educating themselves and becoming the best men they can be, they can therefore inspire the men around them to be the best men they can be. And then everybody benefits. Right. Absolutely. I just want to quickly like, uh, in the realm of experiencing kind of that immature femininity, it actually didn't, it didn't really like, I mean, I had think little things in the interactions here and there throughout college, mm-hmm. but I think it was once I started um, kind of really dating that I would, mm-hmm. uh, I would experience it when I would meet who I was dating, like their friends. Like sometimes there would just be this, I'd get this blanket, the first time meeting like a friend individually even like a want like a like a dinner like mm. me who i was dating and then their like friend or like even like mentor like um like a more like middle-aged woman and i would just get mm. so much like just like once like my date would like leave the table to go to the bathroom then it would just be like i would that would be a switch flip i would experience mm. this different person this person that's just like okay, what are you trying to do here? Like you, you wanted the rest of them, like, what do you do? You know, like what kind of like this, this interrogation, assuming the worst in me uh, kind of experience. And it was so befuddling to me because I, I never, I've never, I never heard anyone. I was the one I was in my realm. And I want to ask you this is I was the one that didn't know, like, and I'm, like taking on that like non-binary approach now for sure of mm. like the immature <laughs> to the mature at least in my realm of like immaturity it wasn't I didn't know how to step into the masculine I wasn't I wasn't acting from a place of kind of negative tendencies f- towards mm. others it would be like negative tendencies towards myself mm. and and so when this like you know person's kind of like projecting all this stuff onto me and like just kind of basically like traumatizing me in this moment mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know how to like stand up for myself or speak up I just mm-hmm. like smile and be like I understand what's going on but I'm not gonna even do anything about it I'm mm-hmm. just gonna be like ah. and then you know talk about it later of like why wow that that really happened and that's like very that is a very negative experience and <laughs> just knowing yeah. that that's like out there in the world. And again, caused because of men too. Uh, it's, it's of course like, and I understand, I get it. Um, and it's kind of tough. Cause Harry, did you, let me know if you experienced this growing up, I had so many terrible male coaches Mm. and um and you know not I didn't have a male like teacher so I was in like middle school I um my father didn't have um really much of a father figure growing up like lost his biological father super young um I yeah most most men like friends fathers had like temper and anger issues, same with the coaches. Sometimes that was both. So I also, as a man growing up, didn't really like men. 
<laughs> either. Yeah. So I like, I like get, I like see it. I, I feel like I, I think that I understand that viewpoint mm. just so well, just yeah. so well. And so when that um, kind of immature femininity or like, you know, that, that experience being protected onto me, I almost have this experience of like, they like they don't know that I didn't like men either and now mm. I do and like I'm on the other side of it and I'm on the yeah. other side of myself and to those to experiencing those out there mm. um and that's a very hard thing to communicate to the world right did you have a similar experience with not having like mentors that you would really look up to growing up in the male category. Very much so. Yes. Everything you said resonated with me. Um, I mean, the reason I'm doing this work is because similar, similar experiences to you, like a lot of the men that I grew up with just weren't really good mentors. They were all bought into the whole man box culture. I don't know if you know about that, but man box culture is essentially the, the set of narrowly defined rules that dictate what a man is. So, you know, being successful, having a lot of sex, being aggressive, these kind of things. Um, so a lot of the men that I grew up with were like this and reinforced this. And I think from a young age, because I knew I did not fit that category, I always felt very excluded by it. And so I had like a weird relationship with masculinity where it just didn't quite sit right. So I kind of always rejected it. So it manifested as a distrust of men. So a lot of my friends growing up, I was more trending towards women because I felt essentially safer there because I had a, a internalized distrust of men. So I think pretty much every man does have this to a degree because it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how good you are at man box culture, you have been shamed and bullied into a narrowly defined set of rules. So even the people at the top, especially the people at the top of the man box culture have probably been bullied and shamed the most, which is why they are so intent on being at the top of it. So I think a lot of men need to become aware that the reason they are so bought into this idea of what they should be, it's because they've been shamed and bullied into it from a young age. And what a man is, is not really definable. And what, like with regards to what is the right balance of masculine and feminine, it's the balance that you want. It's the balance that makes you happiest. And it's the balance that helps you to fulfill your purpose in life. It's not what culture tells you. Culture is just a story that a lot of people have bought into. That is pretty much it. That is why there's so many different cultures. So to really see on a, on a far higher up view that this is all made up. Like the masculinity is made up. It's essentially a construct. So whatever is binding you. So a lot of men who won't cry, won't speak about their emotions. This is because they have been shamed into not doing it. And they are essentially from, from a mental freedom perspective, like free will is a scale. And the more shamed and bullied you have been into a certain set of patterns, the less free will you have. So the people at the top of the man box culture essentially have far less free will than the people like you and I who have overcome these set of limitations. So I don't know if for anyone listening, if that will resonate with them, but I think that really helped me is to realize you are literally just less free 
And I think what we all want as humans is to be free, to do whatever we want, which makes us happiest. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> it's just, and the Nobel Peace Prize goes to <laughs> Mary Luna. Uh, like, uh, and I mean, it's, I think about um, the idea of um, um, uh, gender non-binary, you know, kind of they, them. I almost go into like theory explorations of, do you think that there are potentially some people out there that kind of have more of a, would it, or kind of more identify with kind of like a they, them, like pronoun that might have completely avoided because of like, a t like bad experiences with like, okay, let's say I'm going to take someone born, you know, with male genitalia and their experience of men is so poor and that they just don't like identify at all with anything about men that they almost to like, like I use the word avoid. I don't like, I don't want to fully like use, like mean that that's what's happening, but like avoid doing the work of coming into like finding that balance of masculinity and then going into kind of like the, like the they, them realm. Um, to kind of, yeah, to avoid the, the intensity of, of doing this work and not saying that they, they, they can't then be in this realm and, and be free, obviously, like, yes. Um, mm. But it's like, do you think it's like, it's, it's that intense that it can potentially morph someone's identity so much that they are then uh, almost like uh, changed, changed forever in how they view themselves and might, that might be, again, that might be healthiest for them. That might be the right thing for someone. But for some people, I could imagine that I, at some point, was so sick of, like, the idea of trying to be a man and it failing and it feeling awful and just seeing, like, toxic shit all around me or, like, you know, negative experiences that I just go, oh, okay, people are talking about they, them, non-binary. I'm going to just do that then. <laughs> What do you think about that? Uh, so, I mean, my perspective is I think people who are non-binary have kind of, in a sense, figured it out that it's all made up. So they're like, well, I'm not going to buy into the system. So, I mean, people are non-binary for a variety of reasons, and I'm not non-binary, so I don't actually know fully what they are, and I can't really speak to their experiences. But to me, it kind of makes a lot of sense, because to buy into what is a story, essentially, doesn't really make sense because a story in itself provides limitations. So the fact that we have, the fact that we bring people up to be defined by a certain set of rules doesn't really make a lot of sense because it limits people to certain roles. And if we want people who are essentially complete and free, we need to raise them without limitation. And if we were to essentially raise everybody non-binary, then people could be whatever they wanted to be without being limited by rules. Like the reason we have these rules is because they served a purpose in growing our society a long time ago. And since then they have become problematic and essentially pointless. So I think like now being non-binary just makes a lot more sense. So I think a lot of people look down on non-binary as like, you know, messing everything up and sort of messing with the current system that works. But does the system really work right now? I'm not super sure. 
because it's not working for a lot of people. So I say, if people want to be non-binary, go for it. And anyone who has a problem with that needs to really ask themselves why it's, it's people can do what they want to do. And some people are good at the role that they have been handed. And so they don't want other people switching that up for them because they feel safe in their current role. So it can be threatening to see non-binary people thrive within non-binary. Mm-hmm. That's my thoughts. And, and I love um, the idea of even just taking kind of um, the male identifying standpoint of like uh, coming to a place that is more, that is more free and that, and that by us coming to a place that is more free, that if those that identify as, as being women are also then because of our like finding more freedom, then also like, finding more freedom uh there and and i love as you're saying like those that are potentially choose to uh identify as they them have found like kind of the ultimate sense of of freedom Mm -hmm. um in in that realm and uh i wonder uh and and i know i I go into um because i'm i'm just pose i i just love posing the questions of have you seen gender of of all sides um the the victim coming back and of almost of a place of not being able to to make a change um and and who they are because of their uh gender their identity like male female they them so how, how do you, can you rephrase that? Sort of like, do, are people buying too much into the victim role within their gender? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Where, and where, where are you seeing that happen? And how do you think someone could, could get out of that? Like if there is someone that kind of that question, they're like, oh, whoa, I'm kind of stuck in the victim mentality of how I identify mm. gender. What would you what would you say to them? Uh, I mean, firstly, I'd have compassion because everyone's on their own specific journey. And even though it might not be specific, feel right at the time, if you look on the long view, it makes perfect sense. So wherever anybody is currently, it's where they potentially need to be for their part of their journey. So to if, if the people are at the stage where they want to transcend the victim mentality, it, it does require a lot of deep work. And for those who understand like shadow work, it requires you to go back into your patterns and figure out exactly who you are, essentially. Because a lot of people aren't actually people so much as patterns. So if we can really figure out who we are, who we want to be, we can then reorder the patterns that we exist by to really benefit us and to achieve our purpose and whatever it is that we want to achieve in the world. So I think for me, I, until very recently, I was doing, I was, I was victiming pretty hard throughout my whole life. Like things would happen to me. I wouldn't happen to the world. So to really realize that from like an Adlerian perspective where you are, completely responsible for pretty much everything that happens to you in a sense that really helped me 
to because I would always like if something bad happened to me I would make excuses if someone did something bad to me I'd make excuses for them and I would say oh it's because of this this and this and I would seek to understand because by understanding I could essentially defend my own ego and I could repress my anger so I think there's a lot of that going around as well as people who are in the victim possibly repress their anger quite a lot and this is something I've talked about recently is that anger exists for a reason and a lot of people see anger as a bad emotion they see it as destructive and hurtful and it wounds people and it's ultimately pointless but that's kind of like the immature anger the mature anger is someone who can harness the feeling and channel it into passion and drive and into change within themselves and into the external world so people who are in the victim mentality might need to reconnect to their anger because that's what really really helped me is to realize that one i had been repressing my anger and to realize that i needed to actually reconnect to it to move out of the victim mentality and so when, what, was, what did that look like for you recently when you reconnected to it? Yeah, so I mean, I, a lot of what I do, I do a lot of like really powerful journaling. I do a form of journaling called expressive writing, which is like really well researched and really goes deep into the emotional components of, this, of what has occurred to us. So I've had some experiences like five years back and three years back, which were very difficult experiences and within those experiences uh, people were quote-unquote bad in my opinion and they did bad things and I would explain away everything that they did and I would repress my anger so a lot of what I did to sort of overcome this was I would do expressive writing and write as if I was angry at these people and sort of go back into the experiences and rewrite them and by doing this like the next day after I did this, I had not felt so settled and grounded in like five years. And it just like really speaks to the fact that people are more repressed than they think they are. Like the amount of emotion that we show is, even with women, is so much more repressed than people believe it to be. So our, the quality of our life is very much dictated by our nervous system. So if our nervous system is constantly producing emotion and we aren't ever feeling that emotion our body is just going to be in a state of just it's going to be a mess and until we really learn how to feel our emotions deeply and to experience them and to experience them in the moment to go back into the past and experience them can we really be free because it's emotion that kind of dictates how free we are because the shaming that occurs produces an emotion so all the men who have been shamed and bullied into being into fitting within man box culture, what keeps them in man box culture is the emotion and the resistance they feel when they try and step out of it. So it really comes down to how well can you overcome and feel your emotion and allow it to flow through you to then become free of it essentially. Wow. I love that. I love that. Resistance is such a huge thing to find within oneself yes resistance is essentially the path to your purpose wherever wherever there is a great deal of resistance you can you get the most amount of growth and it's usually where we grow the most that we're really destined to go towards oh. 
I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah, cool. Gosh, it's so good. It's so good because it just I I just think of all the toughest moments. Uh, our biggest growing moments in my life had so much, so much resistance behind it. Mm. And it's that the moments of, of letting go just, just unimaginable, like what was around the corner or just like on the other side. Um, Literally. Yeah. Resonate with that very strongly. It's all of the, the biggest moments of resistance and actually finding so the amount of resistance we have, we have to overcome with an equal amount of essentially inner strength. There has to be an equal or greater amount of energy to overcome that resistance. So yeah, a lot of my most powerful moments in my life have been in the overcoming and a lot of like the greatest moments of like freedom and happiness have occurred directly after overcoming, because I think intuitively realize that we are on the right path. Uh, we are aligned to our purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and in, in some of those those moments of um, kind of get, gaining that inner strength, have there been times where the the growth has been so internal that there was nothing there was nothing external to even really like kind of show for it or a behavior like it wasn't even a behavior. It's just like a pure like mindset like click but mm -hmm. but that, but that there was so much leading up to that that thought pattern change what what did what was one of those moments for you i think realizing like i don't know if you've heard of peter crone he's no. someone would recommend this guy's great i've uh, followed a lot of his work for a long time but he really helped me to realize that how much we judge ourselves and it is purely our judgment which contains our happiness so if we can release all judgment and realize that we are essentially free that is when so much happiness comes so one of the things that he really helped me to realize is that he has a quote which is the only thing that the past does for you is reinforce your view of yourself today. So he says like, if I just like erase your memory right now, how many problems would you have? And that really like affected me because it made me realize that I'm bringing the past into the present and I'm the one consciously doing that. So I can also choose to consciously leave it. And that was, that was one of those click moments which just changed everything. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. What did you leave behind? What was, what was one of them? So I think one of the big ones is like I've had from a young age, I formed the belief that I was in some way inadequate or not good enough, which is very much pervasive among everybody. But to then realize that that was purely a story that existed only within language, like it only exists, that story in a conversation. So if you can just let go of the conversation, then it never existed. And it only was created because your ego wanted to defend itself and explain what happened to you in the past. Yeah. So a lot of people are living their lives based on the assumption that they are not good enough. And so they can never really achieve consistent happiness because they look for it in external circumstances. 
that happiness can really only be achieved from a grounded, peaceful presence within. That's when happiness comes, to realize that everything is okay exactly the way it is. And I mean, as like Eckhart Tolle says, like to the power of now, that everything, all, all happiness really comes when you are fully present and you are not unconsciously or consciously bringing the past or the future into your present moment. I love it. I, I was just listening to you. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of uh, floating in this, of the land of abstract. And, <laughs> and I could just feel my, my energy and personality just floating around. And <laughs> just to be like, ah, yes, I see that that perspective perfectly and I like yes mm. like you're allowing me to like kind of like live that even fuller by just like speaking it it's so amazing it's incredible it's like activating <laughs> all that it's mm. like you know I've read the power of now like love that uh, love that yeah that's, Super yeah, that's the stories that just stick around that we that we allow to stick around are just we're, we're just giving them power we're just give it. We're just giving away our power. We're just like, sure, mm-hmm. go ahead, take yep. the means. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's it's so it's so good. I mean, that that sense of that that we're just okay. Like we just are okay. Mm. How many? If if someone was able to just experience that feeling for a minute if they haven't felt it in years, mm. like what powerful experience that would be. And just to, real. to continue to try to yeah. you know, harness that. Have you heard of the Mankind Project? I have. Yes, I am. I really want to get in. I'm going <laughs> to, I haven't done one yet, but I am like, I'm so there when it's, when it's back up and running. I was going to say, you are, you are like, I was like, if, if you haven't yet, like, you're definitely like, you're going you're gonna to be, yeah, you're going to go through that experience and, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to oh, be, yeah. it's gonna be no, a blast. Truly. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, one of the things like I talk about everything, like my masculinity account is very ideas based and it's very reductionist, but it's not until you really like experience like the brotherhood that you can truly like reconnect with your trust to men and like your brain, like words are fine, but the parts of our brain that store like experience, like traumatic experiences, you can't really access with language. You have to experience and that's when it gets accessed and released. Mm. That's when the freedom comes. I, I love to that. Yeah. The, the, the taking like understand the theory is one thing, like it is so important and like having the real experience, like stepping into, like bring, embodying it, like bringing the physical, bring it to the physical world mm. and being like, I have been through something. I have been through an initiation is, is then bringing the, the, the like subconscious of the conscious world. How, how, wait, who was, who was the person or did, how did you, you then, kind of found this work fully on your own? So I, initially I have a a health and life coach called Alexander Manos, who is truly amazing. And he started doing this work. He sort of started reading King War Magician Lover. And he was like, it was amazing. You should read it as well. And 
we're like best friends, me and Alex on the Man on Skeleton, like real well. And it turns out we have a lot of the same sort of like perspectives on life. And we had a lot of the same sort of problems growing up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we just connected over that book so hard. And it led into Under Saturn's Shadow by James Hollis. And then it just kind of like started from there. And I realized that a lot of my problems or my perceived problems pretty much begin with masculinity that's like the crux of a lot of things is my relationship to myself as a man. Wow. And, and so, uh, as it, that, so do you currently have a, um, a, a group of men that, that meet up, um, at all? Or is it just, no, not yet. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still getting there. I know I want to run a, like a men's circle and do all these things. It's like the next step for me. It's been a bit problematic because of the situation we're currently in, but right. it's definitely on my list of things to, to do. Oh my gosh, you are mm. on your way. You are on your way. It's, it's, so, it's so amazing. I, I had a... I, I remember your, your post on the importance of telling uh, the men in your life that you love them. What do you have to say on that? <laughs> yeah. So my, my kind of basis for this is that men do not feel comfortable expressing emotion to other men. The reason being because of what I talked about earlier, the, the shaming and bullying. So the, what it really comes down to is two things is the distrust for men because of the shaming and bullying that they would receive from other men to remain within man box culture. And something that James Hollis made me aware of is that because women are apparently the people we receive and give emotion to, and they're also the people that we have or straight men have sex with, that this has been conflated. So to express love to another man becomes sexualized because mm -hmm. it's what you would, you're supposed to express emotion to a woman so if you're expressing it to a man that must mean you want to fuck them so that's that's like the problematic like basis for so many emotional issues with men is men do not feel comfortable expressing emotion for fear it will be sexualized and then they will be called gay and then there's all this homophobia going on within it so for men to realize that it is safe to love other men will be unbelievably important for them because as I'm sure you know, like within men's circles and mankind project, how powerful it is to be able to trust men again, to be able to love men again, to have such a deep emotional connection. It's, it's unbelievably profound because otherwise we are left with dumping all of our emotional problems on women. And one, women don't deserve that. Um, two, because men are so detached from emotions, they are just generally less emotionally intelligent than women are. So it's also an extra burden for women. And it's it's also about how how much focus there is on applying it all to women so it's all being diverted towards women and it needs to be spread out so men have various emotional problems in some some ways it's more extreme than women because of how bound men are by how many emotions they can show so to really open that up to become free in this regard will be so powerful in terms of like how the men's suicide rate and men's depression rate and all these things. Like I've, I've been uh, following a person at the moment who is essentially debunking the myths around depression. So there's this myth that depression is a chemical imbalance, which 
is not at all based in science. It is based in a marketing campaign done by a US pharmaceutical company to sell drugs. So to realize that, I mean, in some cases, there actually may be an chemical imbalance, which I have heard of, and that can happen. But for the vast, vast majority, things like depression and anxiety are always a response to essentially traumatic experiences in some way, shape or form, as they come as a response to unreleased and unfelt emotion. So to be able to release emotion with other men and to feel safe doing so will just release the burden on men everywhere and release the burden on women. So pretty cool. That's, that's huge because I, I, I had heard before that that is, that it is a myth. Um, and then I would hear something that is like, Oh no, it's not a myth. And then I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, I mean, as all the work <laughs> that I've done on myself and in the, in the realm of like spirituality, like I, I was, I kind of let that, that whole idea go um, mm. a while in general, but it's great to know that there's a place to point to that. It was like, it was this, it was this campaign that, yeah. um, that was run, that was adopted. Yeah. It's always money. <laughs> it's always it's, it's always, always down money. to money it's always so. money. that's and and as you're saying with um uh loving men and like going through uh initiation and and my experience through like going through the mankind projects new warrior training adventure i truly and i tell my partner this all the time about uh how just just my experience of like looking at a man's face just like in like having this uh this i just have this like adornment like overall like in the bigger picture like i know like like harry for example you like once like i found you on on instagram and i saw one of your videos i was just like oh i just love this man so much you know like, just, and then it's just like i could just be like walking down the street and i see like this like 55 year old man or like i'm like exact dance it's like a 60 year old man and i'm just like Oh, oh, I just love him so much. <laughs> and, and I trust you and I want like them to trust me because like I'm very trustworthy. Like I know they can trust me. Like all of that, all of that, that, that kind of visceral, like beautiful human experience is now just happens for me all the time. And mm-hmm. I, I almost, um, it's almost interesting that as, uh, I like heal like all parts of myself. I can see, I continue to see that even more and more in women as well. Of just, of, of just like being like bask in the beauty of like who this person is and just uh, like letting, letting that be my, my new kind of initial experience of all humans of just being like, Oh, what is this wonderful person I have to bring that I just met? You know, like, I love that. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to view the world. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's really fun. Um, mm-hmm. Now, in the in these times, um, we kind of have to be like you know we talk about like the warrior and the rebel, which I think is a very fun combination. Um, the rebel light attributes being challenges authority to affect social change rejects spiritual systems that do not serve inner needs. Shadow attributes rejects legitimate authority out of anger, 
rebels out of peer pressure and fashion or, or out of peer pressure or fashion. So how you Harry, how do you bring that rebel spirit and uh, kind of separate the warrior from the rebel and how, but how do you show people the, like the light of, of being a rebel in like modern day society? I suppose, I think for me, it wasn't really until I became a rebel within my own set of patterns that I became happy and saw the path. So, I mean, people will only really become a rebel if what they are doing currently is not working for them and they can see that it's not working for other people. So if people don't have a rebellious spirit in some way, when they encounter resistance in life, they won't really know what to do. And you can see that in a lot of people who feel so bound by what their culture expects of them and what their family expects of them and what they expect from themselves that they can't, they have nowhere to go. And this is essentially where like depression can occur because you feel like you have no way out. So you have to have and cultivate a rebellious spirit in order to overcome any kind of problem. Because I, yeah, if I wasn't rebellious within my own set of patterns, I would not be where I am today. I'd be potentially depressed somewhere and doing nothing. And depression is always part of the path. It's, I don't consider it like a mental illness. I consider it a, just a part of like the hero's journey. And in some sense, I think, I mean, people always benefit from from suffering, they can always out, they have the potential to alchemize their suffering. Some people don't have the resources to, and I totally get that, but people who do have the resources to, to overcome their suffering are in a sense responsible to do so. So by cultivating a rebellious spirit to overcome what society expects of them can be so powerful. And it, those are the people who really become great in a sense. They are the people who went against the system created change that betters life for everybody. And those are the people we remember. So I really, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I want to do is I want to, I want to achieve not greatness for personal reasons, but I want to achieve that greatness so that I can give my medicine to the world. Yeah. That's the, the idea. I see. I see that, that that is, that is what you are actively doing. That is what I am seeing <laughs> right this moment. <laughs> and it's an honor and it's beautiful and it's fantastic. Thank uh, you, brother. Yeah. Uh, Harry, what else do you think that those that need to know about healthy masculinity? What, like, what is, what is on your heart in this moment? You don't think in Seattle, Washington and in the U S of where this has spread so far, mm -hmm. what's something they might want to know? Firstly, they need to read King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. That is, in my opinion, required reading for every man and every woman in a sense as well. That book was so powerful for me and it has been so powerful for pretty much every man I've ever spoken to who's read it. So 100% read that. And two, I suppose, I think what's been really powerful to me is to connect to my King, Warrior, Magician and Lover by viewing the world through that lens I have like drastically improved my life to see my, my balance as really important. So I have like a very strong magician energy, which is why I do a lot of educating, but I can also see at the same time that my warrior is not aligned as much as I would like it to be. 
And my lover is quite strong, but also misaligned in other ways. So by viewing the world through this lens, I have been able to sort of rebalance my life to focus on what is most important to me. So my purpose is not just to to a sort of bring a healthier or just a mature masculinity to the world. It's also to honor my relationships and my play and my family and these other kind of things. So yeah, I think everybody needs to read that book. It'll change the game. Super recommend. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Where, how did you used to not love yourself? What did it look like? Mm. So for me, because I never fit the definition I was handed of being a man, I would withhold love from myself if I was not fitting that definition. So in the times I was fitting that definition, which was very few and far between, I would feel like I was being a man. And in the times where I wasn't, I was withholding love and I just didn't feel as good. So for me, growing up, I kind of, I retreated into video gaming. So I was like very addicted to video games uh, the whole way growing up, up until I left school, because it was there that I would never bump up against my fear of not being a man. If I was always gaming, I, I was like doing somewhat of a masculine activity and I felt good doing it. So that's really how it manifested for me. And then when I started reading King Warrior, Magician, Lover and learning all about this, it became so apparent that a lot of my unhappiness came from my own perception of being unable to meet my image of what a man should be. Wow. I mean, <laughs> Harry, what you don't know about me is that games were such a huge part of my life that I went to school at DigiPen in Redmond, Washington, a game development school, to turn the, the identity that I had of, of games, of, of something that I spent so much time doing that was like my shield, my protective space, like my, my zone, like, I could like, people could come in, of course, a lot of friends that like would also like identify as gamers could come in and we could all band together and just like shield up, create a big old mm -hmm. geodesic energetic dome that no, nothing could get in, you know, except like maybe someone inside the dome, like we're having like a little like tussle over an online game. <laughs> they say like, you have no life or like get a life. And then it's like, <laughs> oh my God, what are you saying? Like what, this is our lives. Like you're talking about both of us, but like, why does that hurt so much? Like how can that be, how can I not have a shield in my shield? Mm. Uh, and, and almost that I spent so much of my life developing that, that I was like, oh, how, how can I validate this? by turning it into my career. Here we go. Yeah. I did the same thing, by the way. <laughs> I really? went to university and studied game software development. So you and I are one and the same, my friend. <laughs> we followed the same path. No wonder we're here right now. <laughs> we both had no idea. That's amazing. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. And you know, we talk, we say, you know, we say brother and like, it's just so true. <laughs> it's just, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just every time. Wow. Wait. Okay. So you, okay. are you still in software? 
uh, still in software, not in games anymore. Okay. I realized one, it doesn't pay well, and then you get no free time. So I went into app development instead. Same thing. I was a one year. I, I, led, I one year at a at a startup making iOS games. I was like, I'm out of nice. here. And then went into virtual reality and augmented reality. And then I'm That's like, amazing. wait a minute. This type of software. I'm trying to make a huge impact in this world. I'm out of here. <laughs> nice rebellion. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so, and so it was when you read the book that you were like, wait a minute, this is exactly, this is what I just did. Or like, like how would it, would it, would me just telling that story, would you say that, yep, that's, that's what it was for me. <laughs> In a sense. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to myself, I goddamn love gaming. Like, yeah, it's so good. I'm not like, I don't regret what I did. I understand it's like a defense mechanism, but I had a great goddamn time. So yeah. yeah, I do see that it was a reaction to sort of like not feeling safe in the world in some senses, but it was good. It was a good place to retreat <laughs> yeah. to. I totally <laughs> like me and like computers, we have like a good relationship, like in general, and like creativity and like bringing it all together. Like mm -hmm. it was it truly the perfect storm. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so do you find yourself, um, because I, I actually was like, a, it was a year and a half ago that when I moved from, from Redmond to Seattle, Redmond's more of a suburban kind of experience in Seattle, you know, we're in Seattle, the city, um, that I, I actually sold all of my video games, like my old collection, like, like PlayStation, like N64, like Sega Genesis, like all that stuff. I was just like, I'm ready to like, let go, like, let go of this big part of, uh, of my old identity that no longer serves me. And I'm not, and I'm in a, and I'll never, I will never like shit talk video games. Cause like, what an incredible thing, like a beautiful, mm -hmm. like art form, a way to express a way to bring technology and visual and audio like you know that's another thing that i used to say it's like it's so makes this bring it all together it's like the best thing it's the best mm -hmm. thing why am i depressed <laughs> <laughs> this isn't fair these meetings yeah. are so beautiful yeah no i feel you <laughs> and and so i was able to let let it all go i technically own a playstation 4 but as mm -hmm. the whole time that i have lived in this apartment in seattle I have not played a game. Like it's, I've, it's. Incredible. Nice. Impressive. I haven't got to that stage yet. Okay. Um, I still game every now and then. I can't, I don't want to fully let it go. It's just, it is beautiful, but I can totally see like, there might be some point in time where I realize it's not serving me anymore and I got to let go, but it is not this day. <laughs> That's great. Holy crap. I can't believe, I have just, woo. <laughs> I was just okay because I'm I'm also you know I'm gonna I want to talk to um you know uh those that are like more in, in women's work again and talk about the archetypes but like and mm -hmm. I just because I want to challenge though everyone that's listening to this podcast like men and women of seeing this within themselves which is there's a this idea out there that um or just, I don't know if you hear this in like songs, like more like pop songs, 
I don't need no man. Or like, I don't need no one. Like, fuck everyone. Like, I don't need a woman. Like, I'm just doing my thing. Like, I'm on my own. Anti-dependency. Yeah, let's get it. Get it. Get it. Uh, uh, uh. I'm all alone. Isolation. Who does it? I don't need connection at all. Um, and uh, that, you know, shit can probably, it's probably benefiting some people of hearing that. You know, they're going through a recent breakup. They are like, kind of having a lonely day and they're like, yeah, I don't need anyone. I don't need help. You know, and um, and then there's kind of like this uh, this idea of, of, of being like, uh, like I'm a king or I'm a, I'm a queen. And so I am royalty. But then like sometimes instead of the light attribute of the queen saying, radiate the regal feminine uses her benevolent authority to protect others. Beautiful. Absolutely fantastic. But then the shadow attributes becomes arrogant with when authority is challenged, controlling and demanding. When it's like, I'm a queen, so I get what I want. Mm-hmm. Where do you see that within yourself or others right now? What would you say to that? Um, I do think... I, I, I see a lot of people moving towards this as a opposite reaction to how they have lived their whole lives. Like everybody has been grown up, has been brought up to be incredibly dependent on one another and to essentially enforce uh, toxic relationships where each person needs each other to be happy. And so I think a lot of people have realized this and then gone the exact opposite direction to as a a self, a way of self empowerment, which I am totally down for. I think it's amazing. And people need to be able to figure out how to be on their own in order to then be in a relationship. So my, like my relationship for the one I'm currently in was very much this kind of dependency. And it took that relationship to make me realize that how dependent I was on someone else to be happy. So I've now gone the other way and I do very much think that independence is crucial for any form of connection, like any form of connection. Like if you require anything from somebody else to be happy, it's just not gonna work. So yeah, I am super down for independence. Everybody needs to figure out how to be happy on their own. Have you heard of the word interdependence? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you've probably, have you heard of uh, anti-dependence before? That's the first time actually, but yeah, I get okay. it. Because then, then the opposite being, you know, codependency. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, and what would you say to those that are maybe they have, they're at the anti-dependency kind of stage mm-hmm. and are like, maybe it's con- potentially like keeping others out or like kind of um, denying like basic human experience. Uh, how to like, kind of like, ah, come back to interdependence. Mm. yeah i i suppose i see it as just like it, it'll take as long as it takes everybody's on their specific journey to just like allow for that have compassion for themselves that it's very natural to want to go the opposite direction to something that has hurt you like a lot of people who are becoming anti-dependent it's essentially a defense mechanism in a sense and that's totally understandable everybody will do the same thing when they figure it out So to then realize, however, that a form of self-love is to allow 
connections into your life and to not see them as potentially draining. Because I think that's where a lot of people are going wrong is they have been hurt by connections in the past because they have required so much or the other person has required so much that they now think that the place where they can be happiest is on their own. And that's just not how humans are wired. And it might take them a while to fully embody that, but to realize that, like I said earlier, the quality of our life is very much dictated by the quality of our connections. So as social animals, it really does come down to how deeply you can connect with other people. And I think a lot of it comes back to trusting again, that humans are trustworthy. A lot of them, some of them aren't because they're on their stage of their journey, but to sort of find new people who you gel with and who you can trust and who you can be vulnerable with. And that's where a lot of deep fulfillment will come from. I love that. I love that. The quality, the quality of the connection. Like I, I, I personally am experiencing like our connection as just very high quality. It's very Uh like, could you imagine all that we have done in our time that we've known each other is we had sent some Instagram messages before we talked today and I have watched some of your videos and then here we are and we have begun a like what I would say is a very high quality relationship. Whatever's going, you know, moving forward is like mm-hmm. we're, in a, we're in a pretty good realm. And like, that's, I I love that you spoke to that. It's like, for me, the more that I find higher quality connections in all different forms, it's like, even if someone's really far away and like, Harry and I don't talk again for like six months or like, it's still like at this high quality level that's like main, maintain that whole time. Um, and I think, I think when I've heard from some people that are uh, just looking for, you know, those more of the high, higher quality connections in their life is they don't understand the different forms that they can take or like to trust, at least for me, like I was like, I like found you on Instagram and I like immediately was like, oh my gosh, like my intuition is telling me mm. there's some good shit going on here. Yeah, I love that. It's like, it is so interesting that, you felt compelled to talk to me and like we do have such similar backgrounds like that's pretty crazy i love that so much it's nuts it's It's so cool and i mean Mm -hmm. holy shit like i hope that when the nwta uh is live again that if you're doing it you know over the i don't know how much a plane ticket is but gosh if i could (laughs) your weekend woo, Mm. that would be amazing truly truly Um, yeah geez uh, any, any final words around self-love, Harry, for now? Hmm. So I think for me personally, self-love has really come from a state of non-judgment mm-hmm. and doing emotional work. So I think a lot of people can get caught up in the spirituality aspect of things, but ignore the emotional aspect of things. And it wasn't really until I combined the teaching spirituality with emotional release that I really started to experience happiness. There's a lot of people who are just doing spirituality and they are completely bypassing their past experiences and therefore their emotions. But until you incorporate the two, you will not find relief from your past. Got to combine the two. There's a guy called Jeff Brown on Instagram. Have you, do you know him? 
I don't. I don't. But I'm uh, just okay. I like got excited. A new Instagram <laughs> follow. Jeff Brown. Yeah, would highly recommend. This guy is incredible. He one of the things I love that he did is so Eckhart Tolle, you know, he's a great guy. He wrote a great book, but he just like slammed Eckhart Tolle in the comments saying that he must have disassociated so hard on that park bench that he just like let go of all of his problems. And is he, like Eckhart Tolle is very much in a sense uh, facilitates a kind of trauma denial. And Jeff Brown is totally against that. And I, I love Jeff Brown for that. He's got like a grounded spirituality, he says, which I love. Oh, wait, he's, he is the ground? Uh, grounded spirituality. Grounded so spirituality. not trying to become too much of a spirit, trying to remember that we are human when it comes down to it. We are not spirits. So to be human and to feel emotion within our human bodies. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Uh, Harry, how are you in dancing in general? How's your relationship with dance? Uh, it's there. It's happened. <laughs> it's happened. When did it happen? What were some moments? Uh, I've, I've taken a salsa lesson or two. and But overall, I'm not too much of a dancer, but I'm, I'm down for it. Okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm just seeing that that is like, that's like a next part of your work potentially is like, Truly. like grooving. I don't know why. I don't know why that just, I just don't know why mm. that just hit me. But that Some, was... Sometimes I actually do ecstatic dance. I don't know if you've done No! That. Get out of here! Harry, there yeah, yeah. That's another one! That that's does count one. actually. I forgot about that for some reason. I don't consider it dancing for some strange reason, but it is definitely dancing and it's been really <laughs> profound for me because it's kind of just like, punching the air or doing weird stuff so hey you're gonna love this the reason i or like one of the reasons i moved to wallingford in seattle specifically is that it's point it's like 0.8 miles away from uh this place called own culture where like mm. it has just this beautiful community and it's like amazing ecstatic dance space nice my roommate and i like loved going there and um uh it's just been, it's been an anchor point and a big growth area. That's so funny. You know about ecstatic dance in the yeah. UK, people. It's everywhere. <laughs> we get it. It's coming. It's taken a while, but it's coming. It's coming. It's beautiful. Wow. Hey, this has been incredible. This has been uh, uh, magical. Um, this has been divine. Um, it's been all of the above. And uh, just grateful for having you on. Uh it's just, I, I look forward. I just don't, I just don't, who knows where this goes? Who knows what's next? <laughs> right? So. I mean, who knows, who knows it all? Yeah, it's been beautiful. I've, your energy is incredible, by the way. I don't know how you keep it up. Thanks. Love that. Super inspired by that. And <laughs> I appreciate you very much as a person. Yeah, yeah. You're in your love. It's just beautiful. It just keeps going. You know, I just, uh, I mean, I get really, you know, I, you have to understand, like, I, I do rest. I do have. Mm. I do have low energy days uh, and I just go, when, when I, I feel so connected to, you know, like a purpose and, and just like, and just like finding the wisdom, like it just gets me jazzed as all hell. <laughs> <laughs> Not afraid to say it. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to, I think uh, for here, signing off on the recording. Till next time, love yourselves out there. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. What an absolute delight. 
I so wish I could be there for Harry's new warrior training adventure initiation weekend. That would be so much fun. I'm so excited for him. And as you'll probably hear after this outro, Blast into Self-Love is out now. So stay tuned for a little more info on that. And follow me at LoveAmpSeth on Instagram. I've been posting a lot of fun stories and posts on what it is to be a self-love warrior. More little tidbits into how I nurture more of that love for myself every single day. So if that interests you, give that a little little follow, a little whirl. So stay tuned for more information on Blasting the Self-Love. And until next time, love yourselves out there. Blast into self-love, the journey to revolutionizing your inner world. The online course by Seth Pearson of Love Amped is available now at loveamped.com. In this program, you will evolve to a fully self-compassionate version of yourself by identifying and growing in self-love areas that have been holding you back for years, maybe even your entire life. We will learn about the concepts surrounding emotions and how to address those emotions through journaling and self-reflection. We will face our fears to transmute them into positive thought patterns that stick for life. All this in 15 easy-to-understand sections with videos, journaling, and exercises for you to try at home. Blast in to self-love. The journey to revolutionizing your inner world. The online course by Seth Pearson of Love Amped is available now at loveamped.com. This was Love Amped, a podcast by Seth Pearson. Check out loveamped.com for more info on today's topic.